Today's episode is brought to you by FindDigs, the industry's most advanced leasing and application software. Stop wasting your time examining pay stubs and calling previous rental references. FindDigs advanced bank linking tech instantly verifies income, rental payment history, and identity right alongside credit, criminal, and eviction reports for less than you're probably paying now. Start making faster, smarter leasing decisions today by visiting findigs.com backslash Jason to schedule a 10-minute demo. Again, that's findigs.com and findigs is F-I-N-D-I-G. S.com backslash Jason. All right. So hello again. Welcome back to the Jason and Peely Project. We are super excited for today's show. I was actually just on a Josh Cohen show last week and uh, loved his energy, loved the questions. Excited to have Josh on the show. Hey, Josh, how you doing? Jason, thanks for having me on today. That was, well, that was an thank awesome you. interview, by the way. Yeah, and it was great to connect with you guys. Um, good energy, really just great resources. And, you know, the interview is only good as the questions, right? So it comes back to it. Super appreciate you guys. And so wait to hear what Josh has been up to because he's been doing a lot. So lifetime serial entrepreneur, knew it from the first time he started toying with computer programs in high school. And Josh spent many years working at a top research facility as an electronics engineer and later program manager solving complex technical problems. We will not do that in today's show. So, so stay tuned because we got a lot of other things coming. But he found another passion, which is real estate investment. And in 2009, he started renovating houses on the side, buying fixer-uppers uh, using private money, and that became a passion. In 2014, he founded a new company, DC First Properties, and made the plunge to the full-time investor. And today, he's uh, president of DC First Properties, headquartered in Falls Church City, Virginia. Leads a team that focuses on buying older houses in the DC metro region for redevelopment and creating a niche uh, for a new home product known as affordable luxury. Really want to dive in. That, that's super cool, man. And uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. And we actually also have to point out that you're founder of Deal Maker Nation. We talked a little bit offline, right? So, so much happening, so much changing, but you're in a DC market, which um, talked about the insulation of the market, which is um, why it's so important to, to really know your markets and your sub-markets, right? Because the way that cycles work, every area isn't actually, if there's a downturn, it's not like the entire country or the, it feels that all at once. And COVID's been a little bit um, of a different beast, but DC itself, did you grow up in this area or did you move to this area specifically for the real estate or, or talk to us about your path into real estate? Actually, so I grew up in Seattle, Washington, uh, oh. home of Amazon headquarters, number one, HQ1. Yeah, I yeah. went to graduate school out in Illinois on a full ride and it was like the one year they recruited from the government. So I came out here to work for the federal government in wireless communication back in 2004. Wow. And it was actually in those years, the market was kind of peaking out here. Things were crazy. And I saw all these people making a ton of money in real estate and I sort of got interested. How do I get involved in all that? How do I get started? But like a lot of folks who work like a full-time day job, I wasn't quite sure how to, you know, I didn't had very limited cash at that time. I wasn't really sure how to get into the game and make money. Where was it the point that you found private money? Because generally people stop at that point. Most people say, I have no money. I was actually um, doing a uh, talk with our meetup group last night and I put up a question, you know, what's stopping you? And money was that big hurdle that's on a lot of people's mind. You know, it's interesting. Like I, I look at the business different today than back then. So our first deal was the end of two, 2008. And like a lot of folks, I was scared to do a deal. 
Um, I actually, my, my partner at the time was my coworker in the government. And the two of us were like, you know, how can we get our first deal? He's like, oh, I see the potential. I see the money opportunities. We each put 20K into a deal and it took about six and a half months to find that first opportunity. By that time, every agent in Northern Virginia probably thought we were the classic sort of looky-loo type buyer. You know, we look, look and never buy anything. Uh, yeah. But she found us an opportunity. She's like, if you don't buy this tomorrow, you'll know, you guys will never do a deal. So we each put about 20K in our first deal. Um, it was wow. a very small purchase. It was like a, it was a 175 purchase of a townhouse that was an REO in Arlington, which today people would say 175 in Arlington, you're crazy, that, that doesn't happen. But at that time, 175 to buy it, it was like an interior sort of renovation, 35K reno. And we sold our first deal within 65 days in a down market uh, for 349. We made about 110K in our first flip back in 2009 in 65 days. We were sold ever since. And then at that point, we're like, oh, we're getting a lot more opportunities. How do we grow this? And we didn't really quite figure it out for another year, year and a half. Um, our, our first deal with owner financing sort of changed our mindset of you can raise money from individuals to do deals. So about a year and a half after that first deal, we had a absentee owner in Colorado who had issues with his tenants. And he basically owner financed the entire acquisition uh, of oh. that property. And so you took it over tenants in place. What, what was that pinnacle moment? Was it the owner finance piece that really started, you understood the system process from there? Or was there something else that spawned you saying, okay, we got it, let's go. So at that time we were already into like two projects maybe, and we were maxed out financially. And this opportunity came along where this guy has his house in Alexandria, Virginia. He's living in Colorado. And we know we can make a good profit on this thing, probably 80 or hundred K in a few months. And, and my partner at the time's like, how do we buy this? We don't have cash. I'm like, here's what we'll do. We'll just position it. So it's a win for everybody. So he wanted like, I think it was like 220 for the house at that time. So, so we offered 175 or 180 cash that we didn't have as our offer number one. And my partner's like, well, what if he takes that? I'm like, he won't. So we offered 175, I think cash. And then option two was like 205 owner financing for 12 months. Yeah. And of course the guy like wanted the higher offer. He wanted more money. So he went with the owner financing and we got into it with almost, almost no money down. Yeah. And that's a super trick, right? You actually are make the owner compete against the same person, right? With, with multiple offers, which is always a good way to go. You put in offers to present them to them so they can actually choose, but it's still staying with you. So they're not getting 10 different offers to go through. That's awesome. So how has the plan now really changed? Cause you, you've, you're now doing affordable luxury. I want to talk about um, how is that the niche that you fit in today? Where does that fit in with the uh, DC market and what is it? So sort of everything changed over time. Originally we were just like a rehabber in the beginning, just doing quick paint and patch type rehabs. Um, we were relying in the early years on private money. And then around 2014, you know, at a certain point, like you have enough liquidity and a long enough track record that small community banks start to look at you as like a respectable builder. So we became like a bankable firm getting commercial lines of credit back in 2014 where banks basically are giving us 75% loan to cost. And at that time, the business started to really take off in, in 14, um, when we became a bankable firm. And then around the same time, we also got a class A license to build uh, ground up residential and commercial in 2014 as well. 2014 was kind of a defining moment in the business. And at that time, we, we pivoted from uh, doing renovations to basically what we call affordable luxury homes, brand new construction. Essentially what that means is that 
in northern virginia and like a lot of other areas most builders typically what they do is they scrape the lot if, if you're doing like what, what you call an infill development project they'll scrape the lot of everything that's there and they'll you know excavate a basement put in a new foundation put in a new slab all new framing the, the thing about that model is that's that's um, you know premium class A development. So you're paying you know your construction costs are the highest. Your timelines are usually the longest. Um, to give you perspective, like in Northern Virginia, folks that do that model, you know the homes typically run 1.5 million and up. You know you're, you're you're buying a new construction home with that model between 1.5 and even three and a half four million dollars depending where you are. Uh, we realized that in 2014. A majority of our clients were sort of, you know, millennial first-time home buyers that are, are making good income, or they're potentially like move-up buyers in their 30s and 40s having kids. They just want a bigger space. And there's a really large segment of the population that, if you sort of reverse engineer all this, which we did, um, their typical budget in Fairfax County and Arlington County is about 750 to 1.2. So if you can if you can build a brand new house that has all this sort of you know finished quality of, of a 1.5 and up home and you can deliver it between 750 and 1.2, you're going to capture probably 75 to 80 percent of the marketplace in, in Northern Virginia. You know that's so interesting, right? Because you talk about after repair value, right? But you actually looked at after repair. Um, price point for your buyers right especially exactly. on, on that big demographic and so many people just they just look at the market they just assume but you got into the details and really identified okay this is a huge space and and it's people are missing out right people are missing out because you're just going assuming new construction and although dc as we talked about earlier is capturing a, a lot um you know it's, what was it seven of the ten of the richest counties counties in the country in the country yeah. right so even that point there's only a certain amount of people that can be paying 1.5 to 3.2 million dollars right so you start hitting that price point where this is now the first time buyer average home price is that 750 to, to a million right and yeah. you target that and you're able to do renovations that offer it's awesome right you you offer the quality where it, you also can say this is great quality and you also have a hedge against um downturns right because the people who are buying that 1.5 ground up i assume yeah. if something radical happens and they're saying man you know i, I just don't feel good at this time buying new construction um you're be able to walk back into your projects where you're getting the same quality just at the right price point because you're not scraping the ground and having all really just really all the build costs right all, all the costs from that point of just putting in foundations and getting it out of the dirt super cool man so um talk to us about timelines right because I'm, I'm sure this also changes the narrative on your timelines as well I had a mentor who built commercial and residential for 40 years and I met him probably 2012 and we started I started learning all about construction from him and it was around 14 I'm like how can you how do you deliver a house that's 750 to 1 million or one two brand new because the cost the cost is the cost and it's, it's, it's not like you're gonna like remove a lot of that cost just because you can um, so we started coming up with how can we do this and, and the reality is um, time frame we, we get in and out in six to seven months from the buy of the lot to the build to the sale our typical project six to seven months wow. your typical builder in northern Virginia is 12 to 14 months if mm -hmm. they're lucky um, but going back to the whole thing I mean so the time frame is way less about half it's about 50% time frame or less um, essentially what we're doing is you're, you're learning about the jurisdiction that you're building in. So what we realize in the jurisdiction that we're building in is that 
they would classify our projects as brand new construction if we met the following parameters. One, one of those big parameters is that you cannot go over 2,500 square foot of land disturbance. So that's, that's a big qualifying factor. If you can keep your project under 2,500 square foot disturbance, um, it removes you from having to do a grading plan, which yeah. right, right in itself bumps the project out three more months. Um, it removes you from having to do stormwater management plans. It removes you from, you know, pouring whole new foundations and whole new, whole new everything. Essentially, apples to apples, it saves us on a given project somewhere between 120 and 150K. Wow. And six to seven months. Yeah, we have the same thing here with some of the um, larger construction projects, 5,000 square feet, 5,000 feet of disturbance for uh, for house lifting. It really hits that, but if it hits that, man, it's a lot of work and a lot of time. And a lot more red tape, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it never ends, right? Never ends. So basically, if you can sort of fit the parameters of where you're building, figure out what it is that's gonna make that time frame jump up and what's gonna make mm -hmm. that cost jump up. And a lot of that costs, honestly, in a new project is a lot of red tape. So if you can avoid all that stuff, all yeah. of a sudden, you know, you can deliver a brand new home, you know, between 750 to 1.2, and it's gonna be the highest quality that the market can, can bear. So you, you're looking at projects, right? <clears throat> and it's not gonna be new construction, it's gonna be one that you're gonna make an affordable luxury. What is that ideal project? What, what type of house, condo so, are you looking for? So a lot of our homes, to be honest with you, don't have basements um, and they're a certain size, like they don't, they don't go above in general 4,000 square feet finished because our footprint can only be a certain size to stay within our parameters. Mm -hmm. So generally our footprints are somewhere around 14 to 1500 square feet. What we ended up doing about a year and a half ago was adding lofts to every house because in our initial years, the pushback was always like, why does the house have no basement? Which honestly, Northern Virginia, you don't really want a basement because it's a really high water table to begin with. This is all former swamplands anyway. Yeah, that would make sense. Okay, now I'm thinking about location, right? And proximity to water. I mean, you know, yeah, that makes complete sense. But in the last like year and a half or so, we started adding on like third floor lofts and now there's really no pushback. So we're generally delivering somewhere around 14, 1500 square foot footprint. So you have about 3000 on the bottom two levels and you got this nice 800, 1000 square foot loft, uh, plus like a one car attached garage. So you're popping the roof, adding on a level right there, putting in and putting that in as the loft. Um, does that count towards your square footage or only a certain, a certain percentage because it's deemed? It counts towards your above grade. So actually what we do is we'll scrape the lot down to the existing foundation. Yeah. Um, we might even, I don't like to build on slabs. So a lot of times if the house has a slab at the main level, we'll mm. remove that. And then at that point we'll beef up or modify the existing foundation per the plan and we'll build a brand new house right over it. Ah, it's um, awesome. Yeah, some some we have some loopholes here where you can, um, for a third story, as long as you're within the square foot parameters and um, for the first two stories, the second story, 25% um, of that um, can be used as a third floor without adding it to your overall footprint. And then after that, it adds to your overall um, square feet. So that's little, little, it's town by town, but little loopholes here. So, you know, everybody has those points right there. Um, but that's, that's another cool way to go, right? You start, okay, I can't go out, can't go down, I'll go up, you know? Exactly. Awesome. Yeah, but, and, and I mean, if you can cut the time frame and do all that, I mean, you're delivering a product that nobody else has in the marketplace. I, I mean, with all that done, most of our projects in the last two years have pre-sold even two months into framing. 
Wow. It's, it's like, we don't even wait to put on the market at this point. It's like somebody drives by, they're like, what's the price? They, they can't even believe what the price is. And they're like, okay, let's lock it in now. That's great. That's great. And so do do identify, basically give them a, a price sheet of all your items that are included in the house. And in that fact, um, do you allow for changes or other things there or just to- We do. Um, so we'll have like um, allowances within like what the deliverable project, you know, can allow. If they want to add things on, like we had one two weeks ago that just completed. Um, they wanted like a $15,000 monogram stove and a 48 inch. They wanted a $3,000 bidet toilet. Yeah. So yeah, we'll modify stuff for the project, but um, it'll be a hit to the budget if it's not something that's already included. Yeah, absolutely right. So, and that's part of the uh, part for anybody who's looking at the strategy. Make sure you're identifying what's in there because if you do pre-sell it, it's it's one thing, but they come in there and make a, a bunch of changes. Um, you know, um, the, you have to make them aware that this might, you know, they start wanting custom windows or something, and now it's pushing you out weeks. I mean, that changes oh yeah. narrative. You know, you know it goes. So, I remember being in projects before um, years ago where I gave the notice to the homeowner at the time we need the windows, and then they delayed their uh, choice. Choicing, uh, choice after you know and by the time they gave us the point it was it pushed the project out like three months right they wanted windows that were eight weeks out and so at that point time to get the order and everything else it's uh so these little things they all add up and if you're if that's on your budget and not on someone else's you can think about how that just crushes your uh overall return right for in the sure, scope for of sure. project. For how sure. are you transitioning now um with current circumstances actually so the market in all of virginia is still crazy because if you know sort of the Seattle market, which I'm intimately familiar with, mm -hmm. um, I believe Northern Virginia is gonna become just like Seattle. Amazon headquarter two, I believe chose Arlington for a reason. Mm -hmm. They saw that same dynamic in our current, you know, area that they, you know, flourished in in Seattle. Um, you have a very sort of young, fit, educated population that's, we have 700,000 engineers in Northern Virginia that work in tech mm -hmm. and that was pre-Amazon. So we, we had one of the largest job bases on the East Coast, probably the largest. Um, so with Amazon moving in, we also have Reston, Virginia, just in the last two months alone, added five Fortune 500 tech companies as their headquarters, mm. which is on which is 10 minutes from where we build on the other side. So Northern Virginia is rapidly transitioning to like a tech hub. And I, I'm gonna make a huge point here. So if you wanna invest in Amazon, all you have to do is figure out where Josh Cohen's moving and then that fact, they will open up a headquarters for you and you can, you will be right in that point. So you know where he's going, figure Amazon's coming down there, so invest because you will be in the right spot. So you've heard it here first, as it goes, this is not, um, you know, I, I, of course, this is not me telling you to invest in Amazon. I uh, I have Amazon, I have a uh, small Amazon stock just to be out there at that point. Uh, but on that fact, yes, so you've heard it here first. That's awesome, Josh, good. This, this is super I, cool, man. I, I love when I people- Good. I feel like we're in a bubble here right now because yeah. of all that activity. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. And that, that's why it's very important to look at your markets, right? Not just assume that everywhere is everywhere. And that's why, I mean, we, we can go down a loophole, which are, you know, a rabbit hole, which I won't, but why news is hard to read because you watch national news, you know, like they're, they could literally, I could, I could point a camera at anything and make it look any way you want, right? So you have to see how different areas are being affected in certain ways. And I love when people take an approach and they just say, okay, I see what everybody's doing, but I, I will find the niche that is going to be best for my business plan. It's gonna give you a, really this point of separation. So well done, well done, man. No, I, I think right now, like I came from a tech background mm -hmm. and I've listened to a lot of their tech folks in the industry. 
And I kind of agree with the following philosophy. It's that in the next 20 years, the richest cities will be founded on tech. So I think if you can invest in yeah. real estate where these big tech firms are going, you're going to be able to ride the wave up, you know, you know, ride the coattails of those big firms. We saw that in Seattle the last six years. I mean, you back to Seattle, like North Seattle, the prices are up crazy amounts of money. I mean, mm. today, Seattle makes Northern Virginia look cheap. It was not the case six years ago. I would say six years ago, Seattle was probably 20% cheaper than Northern Virginia. And today it's probably 30% higher. So Any suggestions if someone loves that that idea where they would look for the best news about where really tech jobs are going? Um, I, I've honestly been looking on this, the, the, the usual sites like CNBC, you know, Fortune, you know, magazine. Awesome. Um, Washington Post is pretty good about announcing new, you know, jobs in the area. I, I'd yeah. say a local paper probably. That's true. That's super um, good. Even, even like monster.com will show you like job openings. I, I think yeah. DC, for example, has more tech positions open right now than anywhere in the country. Wow. They, they can't find enough people to fill them. Yeah, it's a super idea, right? Go over to monster.com, put in tech, see where, who's hiring in, in mass, right? And you can look at it. Well, Josh, I, I love this, man. Um, for everyone listening today that wants to hear more about what you're doing, connect with you, and also um, how to find a show with, and, and what the show is, um, let us know. How do we reach out? Uh, Dealmaker Nation on YouTube. And I'm always on Facebook. So if anyone has questions about the DC market or building here, construction, we're always doing it. <laughs> That's awesome. Good, man. Well, super appreciate you. This was a, an awesome show. I got a ton out of it. I know the audience is getting a ton out of it. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And everyone listening, of course, thank you so much. Give us a range of review. It doesn't have to be five stars. We just want to hear from you. Give us a review. Just tell us more about what you'd like. Of course, it's going to be five today for Josh. But if you said Jason gets a one, you can average it out. Give us what you got. Love to hear from you. Thanks so much. Join us for your second cup of coffee every Monday through Friday at noon. Live every day bringing us our best content we've done so far. Super excited, super engaging, bunch of great guests. We're here to answer your questions and we so appreciate you listening. Make sure to check this out. Can't wait to see you.